Well, good evening, good evening, good evening. Hoshamadi, Hoshamadi, Hoshamadi. This is uh, the first uh, lecture by Dr. Gomshayi um, in the series devoted to the memory of Shusha Guppy. Uh, he has been lecturing here already, as you know, um, earlier this week on Ibn Arabi, but this is his two lectures, so to speak, devoted to the memory of Shusha although those lectures are also devoted to the memory of Shusha. Um, I'll just give you a bit of an introduction on him because there may be some people who don't know who he is. He got his PhD in Islamic philosophy back in 1965, Islamic theology as well, uh, from Tehran University. And then in the early 80s, he was the director of the National Library of Tehran. His uh, publications are very numerous. Uh, many of them you can see on the table over there. So if you want to buy them, you're welcome to. Uh, among which I would mention his edition of the Divan of Hafez, um, his uh, selections from the works of Attar as well. Um, he's famous, very, very famous in Iran at least, um, for his versatility and his great powers of memory. And his in-depth understanding of English literature, Persian literature, Arabic literature, Islamic philosophy, Persian poetry, Arabic poetry. And he's also a master of calligraphy. And he, for a while he edited a journal called Chedi Pa on, on calligraphy. He's been lecturing at Temenos Academy now for uh, something like... Uh, I think 14, 15 years. Um, he, back in the mid-90s, he gave uh, 10 lectures on Rumi for us. And uh, then in, in the late 90s on Nizami, seven lectures. He was very close with Kathleen, um, went to visit her many times. He's the only translator of her works into Persian, as far as I know. Um, he, he, he normally delivers something like 15, 20 lectures a month. So <laughs> this is what he does. Uh, and he's known all over Iran as an interpreter of Hafez and, and Rumi. And he travels around the world several times a year on lecture tours. Um, I remember back in 2002, he gave something like 20 lectures all over the US in the space of three weeks. Um, it's interesting when you go to a small little town in Iran and you you mention Dr. Gomshei's name to your local taxi driver, they'll always have a story to tell about him. Every, everybody seems to know him. Um, and uh, I remember once going on a plane, traveling between cities with him, and we got in, we sat down, and the stewardess suddenly made a beeline towards him with a cup of tea. So he got the tea, no one else on the plane. And then she came, down, she came back later and sat down next to him and began asking him personal questions. Um, so this is the sort of reception that he gets. Um, we went to this small little town in northeastern uh, Iran um, for a lecture together. And there was a, a hall which could take 700 people and there were 1,000 people crammed into it. And as we approached, the streets were lined with flowers and you had this parade of little girls from, from a local 
high school there who were all dressed up with flowers and had bouquets, and they were handing them to Dr. Gomshi. So this is the sort of reception that one got, one gets. It's sort of like a, a media store. Um, we were in a, in a conference together in Konya in 2007, in the birthplace of Rumi, and he gave the keynote address at, at the conference. And that evening, he went to a, com a concert where you had a very famous Iranian singer, and he walked into the auditorium, and everyone stood up and began to clap, and hoo, and boot, and, 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 and shout, and, and, and the lead singer came on the stage and thought, well, the concert hasn't even begun, and saw Dr. Gomshi there and embraced him. So this is the type of, of, of you know, love that he evokes. Um, now, He's putting his, his vast and profound knowledge at the service of the wider uh, community of not only scholars, but of, of ordinary people as well. And he has this rare grasp of being both popular and academic. So he can speak on a simul simultaneous levels of, of understanding. So there's always something on his meal cloth for everyone um, who is um, partaking of it. So, in any case, I'll cut it short. I'd like to just go on and on and on about Dr. Gomshi. Um, but um, one thing I would like to mention is this incredible book, um, which he's written, called 365 Days with English Literature. He wrote it in Persian, but it has English text. So he's translated these wonderful segments from various English poets and, and prose writers, uh, among which uh, are significant selections in Catherine Rain's poetry, and then he comments on them. Um, so it's just a, a unique sort of anthology of, of English poetry which he's put together, which is not really available. This type of anthology is not really available in Persian. Anyway, tonight we're very greatly honored to have him uh, lecture to us on a philosophical and aesthetic approach to the laws of harmony. Um, and he'll give his second lecture um, in about 10 days' time on the true essence of Islam here. So please welcome Dr. Gomshi. Good evening, <coughs> ladies and gentlemen. I was reminded when Dr. Lewison was giving a list of the so-called virtues and merits, I was reminded by a word of wisdom from Shakespeare that if our virtues, if our faults do not whip our virtues, our virtues will destroy us in the valley of pride. And if our virtues do not warm up our hearts, our wrongs and faults would destroy us in the wilderness of despair. <clears throat> I wish to offer you a musical salutation to be in harmony with the topic of our discourse tonight, which is, as Dr. Lewison mentioned, a philosophical 
an aesthetic approach to the laws of harmony. The salutation is by Hafiz, who is the most harmonious of all Persian poets. And if anyone is in search of one perfect thing, you know one of the good prayers is that, oh my God, for all the days I have frittered away, give me one perfect thing. And Hafiz has created 400 perfect things, 400 sonnets. Some of them are in Arabic, very little, of course. And the salutation is from those Arabic poems. Salamullah ma karral layali wajawabatil masani wal masali. The salam of God be to you, the peace of God be to you all. So far as the second and the third string of the lute would respond to each other. It means forever. There is another poem by Hafiz, Bar Masani Masali, which means the second and the third the third string, Bar Masaniyo Masalis, Ben Mutrib, play on these strings and tell us the story, the wondrous story of our beloved who has no second. Play on the second and tell us the story of our beloved who has no second in the world. And beside that, the word salutation itself is full of harmony because it means health, which is the harmony of our body. It means peace and security and friendship, which is the harmony of the soul. It means paradise. Salam is one of the names of paradise in the Quran. And paradise is the place where you wish whatever you see, you desire, you, you enjoy whatever you see, and whatever you wish is created for you. And uh, according to a Persian poet, whatever you see, you desire the same. Whatever you desire, the same thing you see. So paradise is the place where all desires are fulfilled and all wished are fulfilled. And one more is that salutation is the name of God. Actually, salam is the name of God. One of the good names of immanence. You know, God has attributes of immanence and attributes of, of, of transcendence. One of the attributes of immanence, as of his graceful names, is Salam, which means all these meaning peace, security, friendship, submission, and the, it, it is really, it has the vibration of all good things in the world.
And besides that, there is another thing. I feel the vibration of other things associating with our gathering, uh, which has been formed to promote the cause of beauty, truth, and the good. And they are the three features of harmony, in fact. Today is a Thursday, a holy Thursday. And you know, Thursday belongs to Jupiter, the father of gods. And it is an auspicious day. And the star of felicity and happiness. And all are related, these are related to harmony. Besides that, we are at the threshold of the sacred time of Easter and the hallow, hallow time of spring, which is the resurrection of nature and brings with it the good news of immortality that don't worry, just look, everything will come up again and nothing will be lost in this world. So, in this atmosphere of harmony, I start by giving you, by narrating the story of harmony. The story of harmony is actually the story of creation. There are many poets who have given an account of how the world came into being. Of course, the scientists and scholars in physics and theorists of physical theories, they believe that there was, once upon a time, there was a big bang happened to just uh, a great explosion, to be a great explosion, and then after that the world came into being. Our answer is that this is in the middle of the story because the story is to be started from the very beginning. Before that, how did this matter, where was it? And how it was so pressed to be exploded? So this is not the story from the very beginning. But Jami, the last of great Persian poets, I have pre prepared, of course, a copy later will be distributed to you all. This is the story of beauty by Jami. I will recite and explain. I will read it to see what in, in world literature, not only in Persian, the story is the same in, in English poetry, in Greek tradition, in German poetry, in French poetry, I will give you some examples how the world came into being. They all say, once upon a time, the story begins with, once upon a time, there was a beautiful fair maid whose name was Existence. He existed, she existed. And she was alone. She was in her solitude. 
and she was drinking wine all alone. She was the sake and she was the drinker at the same time. She was the cup bearer and she was the drinker at the same time. And she was making love with herself and she was gambling with herself and she was all alone without any manifestation, without any uh, descending into the realm of form. But since beauty cannot stand being concealed, if you close the door, as Shakespeare has also said that, if you close the door, she will go to the window. If you close the window, she will go to the roof. Otherwise, she would, at last, she would, like fume, come to the chimney and come out like a fume from the chimney uh, channel. The same is said by Jami that that beautiful fair maid could not stand not to show off herself. So that is the reason behind creation, because she wanted to show her beauty. According to a tradition by Muhammad, this tradition, of course, was said to David, Dawood, because David is the prophet of love. So everything about love comes through him. He is a prophet of love because her love, sorry, his love was 100%, not 99%. He had 99 wives, but he still wanted another wife. So he wanted to make it 100. And 100 is 100%. So David, was, it was revealed to David that I, God is speaking, that I was a hidden treasure a hidden treasure of beauty. And I wanted to, I, I loved to show myself to manifest. So I did the creation. I created the whole world. So I will read from here, but wherever the power of beauty exists, beauty is angered to be hidden by a veil. A lovely face will not endure concealment. Bar but the door, it will escape by the window. Be and Jami is before Shakespeare, actually. Mm. Bar but the door, it will escape by the window. Behold the tulip on the mountaintop. How smilingly it comes forth in the vernal season. It shoots out of the earth through every cleft of the rock and forces itself into notice by its own loveliness. When a feeling of beauty once falls upon the sight and strangely treads itself on the tie of sensation, it can never again pass away from the fancy. A thing of beauty is a joy forever. It never turns into nothingness. It changes and changes and changes, and every time 
it takes a new form of harmony. Uh, but it may ch be changed into happiness, it may be changed into hope, it may be changed into different things, but it never perishes, it increases by changing. When a feeling of beauty once falls upon the sight and strangely treads itself in the tie of sensation, it can never again pass away from the fancy. It insists henceforth on being heard or spoken of wherever the beautiful, <coughs> this is wherever the beautiful, this is the law imposed by the action of the eternal beauty. Coming from the realms of holy, here it pitched its station and revealed itself in every quarter and in every spirit. In every mirror is reflected its face. Actually, the whole creation is one single mirror, and every atom is a single mirror. All of them show the full face, not a part. A full face, as Attar says, a full face of the beloved. And all the holy who are seeking the holy exclaim in ecstasy, O thou holy one, and from all the divers in the celestial ocean rises the shout, Glory to the Lord of angels. From its brightness a beam fell upon the rose, and from the rose came its melody into the soul of the nightingale. So he shone on the nightingale, and sorry, on the rose, and rose reflected it to the nightingale. So, started singing. Sadi says, uh, uh, I am a nightingale, wherever I find beauty, I would start singing. By its countenance, Leila arrayed her own, arrayed her own, and Majnun, Majnun's passion was inflamed by every hair. Rumi says, every atom of the world was turned into a Leila, a Romeo and Juliet. So the whole world are pair, are created in pair, and nothing is alone except God. So God who was making love with himself, created the whole world, that the whole world is doing the same. So, all creation is for the sake of love. I will go to Dr. Kathleen Rain, who has given a very brief, but very strong expression of the same idea, that I heard from the hollow sphere the infinite hollow sphere, I heard just one echo, one voice that was shouting, my love, my love. It is the Lord looking at her own beauty, at her own beauty. At actually, the greatest philosopher of Islam, Al-Farabi, he says, what do you what is your idea about what is present from God in front of God? 
This is love. Voilà l'amour. Because beauty is present in front of understanding and perceiving. Infinite perception, infinite beauty. What is produced? Infinite love. So she says, I heard my love, my love. And I don't know whether I heard it or I said it. Because we both hear it and say it. Every atom of the world is shouting my love, my love, because it exists and it understands beauty. And at the same time, hears that my love, my love. And that is why if you don't say my love in your life, you do not fully, uh, I mean, your talents would not come to full blooming. And if you don't say my love, again, you will not fully bloom. So these two words are the most important words in the world. My love. Everybody has to say my love. Everybody has to hear my love. And then there is another story by Dryden, the great English dramatist as well as poet, <clears throat> which is nearer to our topic because he speaks about harmony. He says, from harmony, from heavenly harmony, this universe, this universal frame began. When nature underneath a heap of jarring atoms lay and could not heave her head, the tuneful voice was heard from high, Arise ye more than dead. Then cold and hot and moist and dry, the four elements, in order to, in order, and they were organized, their station to their stations leap, and the music's power obey. And then he goes on to say, harmony, heavenly harmony, is the source of all creation. And this harmony through all the compass of notes, it ran the diapason closing full in man. Means from note to note, this harmony was more complicated and more complicated and more rejoicing and more rejoicing and more ecstatic until it created man. So man is at the zenith of harmony in creation. And there is a verse in the Quran that God has created man in the best and most harmonious proportions. Rumi again, he has his own Big Bang. He says all of a sudden a shout was heard and the, the ocean of divinity started waving and the world was created. And since he wanted to see a full picture of himself, since he wanted to reflect all his attributes in one single being, so he created man. 
because the angels, the other beings, matter and form, they could not be comprehensive and to show all the attributes of God. Man was created to be a full to give a full picture of his uh, creator. And that is why he fell in love with man. God is in love with man because um, a beauty needs a mirror. All beautiful fair maids are in love with a mirror because they want to see their own beauty in that. But Hafiz has, in just in one line, gives uh, the whole idea in the briefest form that Azal partovu husnat ze tajalli damzat, ish peyda shudu atash behame alamzat. In eternity, or pre-eternity, your beauty rose, the sun of your beauty rose. And love came into being. And love set the whole world into fire. And in another poem, Hafiz is very perplexed, amazed. Maybe he has seen in his, in his visions that suddenly the curtain went away and a fair maid come out. And he says, Nagehan parde barandokhte yaniche. What does it mean that all of a sudden you have come out and you are showing yourself to everybody? Attar says, A rui dar kishide be bazar amade. Oh, those who have veiled yourself, covered yourself, and come to the marketplace of the world, and you have deceived and made illusion in the mind of all people, because all people think that uh, you are hidden and nobody sees you while you are among everybody. You are sitting with this, sitting with that. And he says, how is it that you, you are doing that? And <clears throat> um, Thomas Terahern, another English mystic poet, he says he is giving his interpretation of the world that the world, he, is, he has actually reduced the whole creation into one sentence, that a perfect lover is moving towards a perfect beloved. That is the story of creation. Because he was a perfect lover himself, and he created the world full of love and beauty. So all creation are... are returning to him. The story is that from one, I will uh, just explain that the story of creation is two, two acts. The drama is two acts. One is when we have one, one to many, This is the first motion, the first process, that one appeared in the many. 
But when he appeared in the many, he brought his oneness with him. Just think that you are happy. You are in love. You go to the piano or another instrument. You are one. All your being is filled with love of such and such. But when you sit behind the piano and start playing, you bring your oneness in the multitude, in the multiplicity. So if you play a thousand notes, they are not a thousand notes. You say, he played a, a, a romantic, a loving tune. So the first is from one to many, but one is in the many. This is harmony. The presence of one in the many, this is harmony. If you just sit behind the piano and start uh, striking any notes, it would not create any unity. Because the one is not there. It is all multiplicity. But when you are one, and a one is sitting behind the many, the many are integrated into one. That is called harmony. So, harmony is the presence, constant presence of one and the many. And then, this many comes to your ear, but when it enters the gate of your soul, you don't say that I heard 235 notes of piano. You would say, I heard one lovely tune. So, many again goes back to one, into the soul. So there is a constant process between one and many, and many and one, and one and many. This is, these are the two motions in the world. So, this harmony is at the heart of all creation. Whether it is beauty, it, has, it is filled with harmony, it is, if it is um, good and truth. Harmony, if it is understood, if you understand how many is one, this is you are a scientist. You create a formula and you say, well, these are not many things, they are one. We are looking for a unity. We are unified theory, actually the great unified theory Einstein was trying to create, to interpret the whole creation with one single, could, uh, I could say, um, equation, with one single equation. So if you understand the harmonies, how A is related to B, how the sun is turning around the galaxies, how the earth is turning around the sun, how um, the winds are moving, how um, thermodynamic laws work, 
If you know these things, then you are a scientist, a technologist, a scientist. But if you feel that A is related to B, if you feel that how lovely that A and B and C and D and this whole picture, there are hundreds of different colors, but they are all unified into one. If you feel or create, if you feel harmony or create harmony, then you are an artist. Artist is the person who can feel the harmonies of the world, he knows that why do and soul are related. I will explain later that uh, how they are related. But if you feel it, even if you don't understand, but you have a feeling that if you play this note after that, it is uh, sounding sweet in your in your mind, in your heart, then you are an artist. But if you follow the harmonies of the world, you are following morality and religion. So we have three things, art, science, and ethics. This is feeling the harmonies. This is understanding and finding the formula by mathematics. Actually, mathematics is uh, an expression of the harmonies of the world. Mathematician knows how things are related to each other. And if you follow the harmon ethics, follow the harmonies of the world, that's... Um, you have to do like this. If you want to be happy, you have to be good. He follows good in order to be happy. If a person follows the harmony, he is a, a man of morality. If he understands a man of science, if he creates and feels he is a man of art. Now, <clears throat> that is why Mozart once said, I, I wish people would understand the majesty of harmony. Of course, he meant the harmony in music. Harmony in music has a special meaning besides the general meaning of harmony. General meaning is the relation proportion, balance, equilibrium, accord, how the things are related to each other, that is harmony in general sense. You can find that harmony in architecture, in poetry, in drama, everywhere you can find these relationships. But the special meaning of harmony in music is that uh, in music, you have three things, or, or maybe more. You have melody, which is the meaning, the message 
of the music. By melody, you, you follow what goes in the heart of the musician, what he wants to say. By rhythm, you get the mood of the musician. Rhythm has something to do with your mood, whether you are happy, you are melancholy, you are anxious. This gives the mood of the person. And that is why <coughs> rhythm always has something to do with happiness, never with sadness. No person who is sad can create rhythm. In fact, if you are sad, just say one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and then you get happy. <laughs> if you are angry, if you are angry, because angry is disharmony. Rhythm has great harmony in it. But if you are angry and you are shouting and you don't know what to do, you say one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, then you calm down. Because rhythm means everything is okay. If a person is uh, just playing some uh, rhythm, some beatings on the table, you have a feeling that there is nothing wrong with him. No bad news. Everything is okay. So, music, some people think that some music are sad, no music is sad. Some music, those elegies or those requiem, requiem, which is for, for, for the death of a person or a memorial, that is not actually sad. It gives you hope. It gives you mm, meditation and thought rather than sadness. In fact, it's it brings consolation to your heart. What does, for example, resurrection, resurrection by Gustav Mahler, the famous symphony of Gustav Mahler, resurrection. How it solaces, how it consoles your heart, because he is speaking that there is a resurrection. So he is not dead. When Shelley says, weep not, weep not, he is not dead. We are dead. Somebody asked me, you, you never go to visit uh, the shrine of your father, uh, to the grave of your father. You don't go that. I said, well, I won't because he comes. I am in a grave. He is free. He comes to my grave and informs me that I have come here to see you. I cannot find him anywhere. He comes to our grave because we are now in a grave. And uh, it is a mobile grave, of course. It moves around. <laughs> but we are not going from this grave to another grave. We are going to come out of this grave. So when someone dies, people think that he will go to the grave. He will not go to the grave. Only his body, which has nothing to do with him, uh, uh, that goes 
to be the food of the worms, as Shakespeare says. I found a very beautiful epitaph uh, written on the uh, grave of Franklin, Benjamin Franklin. It was written here under this dust is lying uh, an old manuscript of Benjamin Franklin, of the life of Benjamin Franklin, an old manuscript. And uh, but the author will revise it and give a new edition with more pictures, with more elegance. Um, it will be published again, I'm sure. So this is in actually this is in harmony with our soul. No one accepts that we die. It is it is a disharmony. This is a lie said by the devil that you are going to die. We are not going to die. We are going to come out of this prison. In fact, there are so many different expressions of this. Um, I can give you just a few. Um, one is the spring. Another is that this is just an old, an old, ruined door that opens to a good garden. So what is the problem if the door is old? You just through the door, you go to the garden. <clears throat> Tennyson says, I will, when I have crossed the bar, to cross the bar also means to go to the next world. He says that when I cross the bar, I will, uh, I'm sure that I will face my captain face to face. Now, <clears throat> let me say a few words about one of the most wonderful things about music. You see, if one string is from A to B, if you give it a strike, first of all, there is a fixed number of oscillation. Suppose it is 440, right? And it is vibrating. But at the same time, just in the middle, this is another vibration. So one vibration is this. One vibration is just in the middle. So when you strike the string, it gives you one original note, but it gives you some overtones. Every third piece also has vibration. And every fourth piece has the vibration. And every time, every time it is double, it, is, it becomes 880. And then uh, when <coughs> you are striking one string, 
if it is do for example you also hear the soul as well because this third section gives you the notes of soul so that is why when you strike do do is in harmony with soul so <clears throat> these are especially technology i mean um, i don't want to enter into the terminology of music but uh, speak a little bit about what music has to do with the harmony of the world music is actually mathematics of the heart all you can learn from mathematics you can learn from music rumi says music is all the truth which not only reminds you of something but it gives you as a gift the whole truth i don't know how to explain to express it a surat haqaiq kul dar che pardei this is Are you? Yes. Music is the form, the ultimate form of all realities of the world, and that is why we have music therapy these days. Music therapy, because when you are not good, that is disharmony. All maladies and ailments are. disharmony so when you hear music that music comes into your heart and then it sets everything okay and then you get better and recently they have found that many many maladies and diseases can be cured by music in fact the god of music in in greek tradition in greek mythology the god of music and the god of uh, physicians is apollo apollo is the physician of the gods at the same time uh, the musician so music and uh, curing and therapy has something closely or closely related together and so when how we can get to harmony how we can have access to the harmonies of the world by three things one is our heart human nature we have brought all the story of creation and all the harmonies of the world in our hearts our heart is the most wonderful thing in the world because it has no form it has no color it has no size but it can it gives judgment about all things it is the creator of arts it says that this color is no good this size is too big this is too small you see so our heart is a source of harmony both in arts in ethics in morality as well as uh, in in science we learn by uh, through our heart of course heart has a meaning which covers reason as well 
reason is a part of the heart. That part which uh, distinguishes has the, the function of um, differentiating between, between things, between, to discerning between things. So one is the heart. So if you go to your own heart, if you are um, truthful to your own heart, then you go the right way. You go the right path. And everybody knows, everybody knows that uh, he is going the wrong way. And everybody has an angel. Some people say, how is it that uh, these saints and great people of religion, they have a guardian angel. For example, Joseph and prophets uh, and the saints had a guardian angel. We don't have it, so what is our fault? It is not true. Everybody, every single person, whether good or bad, has the angel. Just listen to what Lady Macbeth is speaking when they are doing that great crime, that sinister crime. He comes and he calls for help from the sinister powers and spirits in the world. Come you spirits and stop up the access to remorse and cover the whole sky with dark, <coughs> the, the whole sky with dark uh, clouds, so that when the dagger is coming down, no angel would cry, hold, hold. So even Lady Macbeth knew that he has, she has an angel within his heart. And at the moment she appears, I mean, the, the, the angel appears and says, don't do that. That no compunctious visiting comes to me uh, to change my, my fell purpose. So actually he is uh, uh, forcing himself, he is forcing himself to do the wrong to do the bad deed. So, and when they do the deed, there is a very insightful idea in Macbeth knocking at the gate. When Macbeth is coming out of the room, there come some knocks at the gate. But Shakespeare makes no reference later who it was. But he insists that more knocks at the gate knocks at the gate. That is the knocking of the conscience of Macbeth. That, oh, you killed? Just wait, I'm coming. The moment you do the wrong deed, that same moment your conscience starts protesting and chiding you. And that is why Shakespeare says, if you don't enjoy good music, if you don't sweet concord of sounds you don't enjoy it. Uh, probably it is because you are a bad person and the music is chiding you. Because music is all harmony. Music knows that this is wrong and that's right. So if you are a bad person, music you will gradually, you don't enjoy music anymore. Because the music reminds you of your bad deeds, 
of your disharmonies. So these harmonies, one is your own heart. You can get harmonies from your own heart. Second, you can get harmonies from art. Sorry, sorry, from nature. Go to nature. Nature the teacher. And you will become better. All your darkness will be turned into light. What is this life? There are so many poems in English and Persian literature complaining of people that they don't go to nature. The world is too much with us. We are so accustomed to the world that we don't feel the great miracle of nature every moment. So up, up my friend and quit thy books. Go to nature and open the book of nature. Shakespeare says if, if we are exempt from public home, from daily, uh, daily engagements, then you can find tongues in trees. Because trees have many tongues. Tongues in trees. And you can read books in the running brooks. And you can hear sermons from stones. And you can see good in everything. So you go to nature to learn. Read the book of God. This is the book of God. Other books are written from here. And those people who don't need glasses, they can go directly to nature like Shakespeare. They, they say, how is it that Shakespeare didn't read so much? Because he didn't need. Because he directly could get the, the message from nature, from people. He looked at the people. He once says, these neighbors of, all, of, of ours are, are very helpful. His friend says, well, how is it? They are bad people. They are, are no good at all. How is it that you say they are helpful? He said, yes, they are helpful because they give you a list of all disharmonies, the list of all bad things to do. So it's good. Uh, the, all bad people are good in, this, in giving the message to you. Uh, well, don't be like that. Don't be like that. And <clears throat> good people are teaching you that this is the way you have to to behave. Look at that lady, how, how she receives her husband, how she receives his, his friends, how she talks. So nature, if you read the book of nature, you no longer need neither art nor literature. But since we don't read that book, we need literature. Of course, literature is a little bit higher than nature because it is nature plus man. So, the arts, arts um, bring you back to harmony. If you, if you show beauty to a person, she would be, he would be better. I heard that Shirley Temple, you know Shirley Temple was a star, a, a little child when I saw her long ago. Now she is a grown-up lady. Uh, they had an interview with a robber and he said that I was going out to do such and such robbery somewhere 
But suddenly I happened to see Shirley Temple. I looked at her, and then I changed my mind. It is no good to do that. You see, beauty stops you from doing the wrong. So architecture is very important. I wonder why people don't protest to this architecture which has no spirituality, no uh, sacredness, uh, no message from heaven. It is just somewhere you can just sleep for the next day and prepare yourself for the next day. And that while architecture should remind you Art is a reminder. Poetry is a news that remains a news. So the arts, if you want to destroy a people, to derogate them, to deprive them of their dignity, deprive their arts, give them bad music, give them paintings which have no standard, no criteria, to measure, no measure, no touchstone. So, whether it is drama, the dramas of Shakespeare are full of harmony of the world. In every drama, you learn something from the laws of the harmony. The laws of the harmony means that if you do this, if A, then it's B. There is a story by Nizami in the day, in Thursday, actually, uh, Nizami has uh, composed seven stories for seven days of the week. Each of them has its color. Saturday is, uh, is black, it's because it belongs to Saturn. And Sunday is yellow to the sun. Monday belongs to women and ladies. Women, because it is moon. The moon is a woman because he, is, uh, he gives the light of the sun who is absent to humanity and is the presence of God. And Thursday is red. Uh, it's the, the day of lovers, of men. Mars is the day of men. And then Wednesday, uh, Wednesday is the day of Mercury. It's the time of... Uh, uh, of uh, buying and shopping and selling and uh, accounting and secular things, you see. So that is why we say merchant, mercantile uh, has something to do with Mercury. Mercury is the star of the merchants. And then Thursday is, uh, belongs to, as I said, to Jupiter. And Nezami, for each day, narrates a different story by the lady of, um, uh, of the dome. There, are, uh, there is a palace of seven domes, and seven ladies are in that palace. Every day of the week, he goes to one of these ladies, lady of the Saturday, lady of Thursday, lady of Friday. Friday is free of all colors, it is, it is white. So on Thursday, the fifth day of the week, according to us, on Pan Shambe, we say five Pan Shambe, uh, Al Khams, Al Khamis, 
in Arabic. But in English, the first day of the week is Sunday. Although it is uh, a holiday, it's Sunday because the sun rises. Saturday is the time when Jami said that God was, God was all alone. Saturday is when everything is black, no answer, no light, no manifestation. It is absolute silence, absolute silence on Saturday. But all of a sudden the sun rises, the sun also rises. This is the first day. And the second day is moon, and the third day is man, Mars. And on the uh, Thursday, he has the story of two friends. The story of two friends who... One of them is called Mr. Badman, and the other is Mr. Goodman. You know the story of Mr. Badman by uh, John Bunyan. So he shows you the harmony of the world, that this is good and this is bad. Now look what happens. The bad one does every badness, all wrongs he can, and he tries his best to destroy the good. But finally, in the end of the story, the good man is a king. And the bad man is a criminal brought to him, and he knows him, that you are the same person. He says, yes, what can I do with you? He said, well, I did according to my name, you do according to your name. So he pardons and he forgives him. This is a story of good and bad. So... In every drama, in every story, there is one law of harmony that if you behave like this, then uh, you will meet with such and such consequences. And if you completely destroy the harmonies, what would happen? What would happen if you, as Shakespeare says, take but degree away? Degree means uh, the hierarchy of, um, of nobility and uh, dignity of man and the society. Everything should be in its own right place. Take but degree away. Untune that string, the string of nobility, the string of dignity. Untune that string and hark what harsh sounds would follow then everything stands to everything in opposition. And then everything includes itself to power, power into will, will into appetite, and appetite is a wolf. So doubly seconded by will and power would perforce make a universal prey, and finally devours itself. So Shakespeare, in, in a few lines, is giving you the whole book of Decline of the Best, Decline of the West by <coughs> Spengler. He has written a book of two volumes to explain how humanity and the Western culture is declining. Shakespeare says, well, yes, take what degree away, and then you will see what happens. So, uh, 
these three hearts, nature, art, these are the sources of harmony. Of course, among arts, I would put poetry, and also, most important of all, the scriptures of the world, the Quran, the source of literature, the Bible, and other scriptures, they are sources of harmony. Quran is filled with so many verses that very briefly tell you what is going to happen. In fact, Shakespeare also is very, is very brief and he is actually a perfection of art is purgation of superfluities. You cannot cancel one single word from what Shakespeare says. You can scarcely find anything not to the point, not to be in harmony with the rest. And you can just, you just put it there for embellishment. He doesn't do that. There is a story of a fool in Shakespeare. He says, it is in As You Like It. I was um, passing, he says, I was passing and I happened to see a fool of motley, of colorful garment. And then I said, good morning, fool. He said, don't call me fool. Maybe I have some wisdom to offer you. Don't call me fool until uh, the spheres have judged about me. And then the fool took out a sundial from his pocket, put it on the ground, and said, well, it is 10 o'clock now. So it seems to be very stupid and uh, preposterous. But he very seriously says, it is 10 o'clock now. And an hour ago, it was 9 o'clock. And an hour later, it would be 11 o'clock. Up to here, you don't find anything. But suddenly, Shakespeare goes on to say, and thus, from hour to hour, we bloom and bloom. And from hour to hour, we rot and rot. And there hangs the story. In another case, he says, um, this is the life of man. Today, in three sentences, he just reduces the whole life, worldly life. This is the state of man. Today, he puts forth the tender leaves of hope. Tomorrow, he blossoms and bears his blushing honors thick upon him. The third day comes a frost. And that's all. <laughs> and as he is thinking that his, his pride is ripening, he falls down. Exactly the same harmony you can read in the Quran with more beauty, more incandescent. It is wonderful, really. In, in a few words, he gives you the essence of this world. So, <clears throat> I doubt if today, when we are living in a world which is getting more and more miraculous and wondrous by quantum theory. When you read quantum theory, if you are not stupefied, 
If you are not beside yourself with joy, um, the writer says, you don't understand, you have not understood yet what is happening in the world. Read it again. We are in a wonderful world. We are walking on music. Once I read it in the works of Dr. Rain, that the earth of heaven is music. But I think that the earth here is music. Who knows on what we are standing now? We are standing on vibrations. Nobody knows what is hard beneath my foot. It is vibration. It is very delicate and refined vibrations. All the world is vibration. And what is in the chaos? You, you know, the pe people divide the world into chaos and cosmos. Whatever is upset and uh, has no organization, they call it chaos. While chaos is cosmos not understood. As Alexander Pope says, all, all discord is harmony not understood. All partial evil, universal good. All chance, direction, thou canst not see. So I add, all chaos is cosmos not understood. Because there is no, cos there is no chaos. Rumi says, it is wonderful that every now and then, from the, from the depths of chaos, somebody comes out like Mansur al-Laj, and says, I am your Lord, I am the truth. What greater miracle than this, that such things, just look at the, at, uh, at the countryside and the garden in, in the spring, what great miracle is happening every moment. Every moment, look at a man, look at a woman, look, look at everything. Every inch of the world is a miracle. So, there is no place for people who deny harmony because heresy and disbelief is denying harmony. There are people who say there is no harmony. If there is, um, it is just our illusion. There is no real harmony. And um, I think that after the end of their books, you come to the close, I don't know anything about this world. Now, there is a, there is a joke about Mullah Nasreddin. You know, Mullah Nasreddin is the comic, uh, traditional comic figure of Persia and Turkish people, as well as Arab people, uh, where he is called Hoja or Joha. He was asked, uh, well, Mullah, what is the name of the wife of the devil? Mullah could say, he could say, yes, I don't know. He said, well, I don't know myself, and my father didn't know, but I have heard that my grandfather said that his ancestors were present in a group of scholars, and they asked the same question from all these, those scholars, and they didn't know. <laughs> you see? So, uh, we laugh what it exists. There are many, many books that you read and read and read, and then finally it comes to say, I don't know. Read the book of people who know, who have a news. Poetry, as Kathleen Rain has complained about the modern poetry, except for a few, of course. 
He says that some of these poets are so small, they create such a small room that you have like uh, Alice in Wonderland, you have to make yourself small in order to uh, understand what he says. So there is good poetry in the world. There is good art, there is good music, there is uh, good architecture. We have to return to our classical heritage. If the decline is going to be stopped, we have to uh, return to, to the, the original face. Uh, actually, Yeats, in a poem, in one of his poems, has a lovely little piece of poem. He says, uh, actually, a lady is talking in the poem. If you see that I am making my lashes a little bit darker and my eyes brighter and I'm making my lips a little bit more scarlet, don't think that I am uh, displaying any uh, vanity or I am doing uh, vain things because I am looking for the face I had before the creation. We have to go back to our harmony, the harmony within our hearts. And it tells us expressly that you are going the wrong way. So I think that the Noah's Ark in these days, the Ark of Noah, is literature. There is a flood of uh, decadence covering everywhere. And where can we take refuge? Take refuge to literature, to the, to the ship of literature, to the ship of uh, scriptures, to the ship of the Koran, to, sh to the ship of the Bible. Of course, <clears throat> when you are reading Bible or Koran, um, everybody who is looking for contradiction will certainly find contradictions. But uh, in Harmony is not denying any contradiction. Harmony is receiving all in its own proper place. We are at the same time, if you are a harmonic man, if you, are, you have total integration, you don't say it is predestination. If you say it is predestination and everything is forced from heaven above, and then you lose many things. If you say it is all free will, if you are uh, like uh, existentialists, like Jean-Paul Sartre, if you say that nothing <coughs> is uh, ruling from above, it is all from our own will, then you are losing. Harmony is saying that, yes, I am free, and I am responsible, and I do according to my responsibilities. But at the same time, I know that there is a predestination ruling over everybody. They, you have to keep them both together. And uh, <clears throat> so I wish to bring this short discourse to an end by a poem by Hafez. He is uh, trying to justify, like any great poet, I have many times repeated that poetry and art and beauty, they are 
justification of the ways of God. As Shakespeare says, sweet are the uses of adversity. Uh, some adversities are blessing in disguise. Sweet are the uses of adversity. That's like a toad, ugly and venomous, yet wears jewels, the eyes of very beautiful eyes, uh, jewels on, his, on its head. So <clears throat> Milton is justifying is justifying the ways of God. Shakespeare, in, in a book called by Martin Lings, his, it's a very good book on Shakespeare. Shakespeare in the light of... Uh, Shakespeare in the light of... Uh, sacred art. Yes, sacred art. There he says Shakespeare has succeeded to justify the ways of God repeatedly in... He is explaining 10 of the uh, Shakespeare's works, and in each of them, he explains how he is successful in explaining the ways of God. So harmony is the ways of God, and following the harmonies is to, be, uh, to submit oneself to the harmony which is from your own heart, which is in literature, if you are not sure, you can check yourself with literature. Literature is the touchstone. You can go to great uh, people like Goethe, like Shakespeare, like Dante. So Hafez also has, uh, is consoling you in the hardships of the world. That if you are good, then don't worry about anything. Because goodness will be the winner. I was reminded of a very funny story that two people who are not very intelligent, of course, uh, very of low intelligence, they were sitting and looking at a film. It happened that the film was showing a horse race. So they decided to gamble, and one of them said the, the black horse will win, and the other said the white horse will win. And then they decided that the winner will uh, be received $1,000 from the other who was lost. So they looked, and the film was over, and the white horse was the winner. So the other man generously <coughs> brought $1,000 uh, and gave it to the man. The man looked at the money and said, well... I should tell you something that it is not fair, I can't take it, doesn't go down, because I had seen that film three times, <laughs> and uh, I, it is not fair that you give me that. The other man said, well, don't worry, it is very good for you, take it as you wish and uh, do it as you like, because I had seen it five times. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that this time, maybe, it happens. That, so it is true that we people see the film a hundred times, but they don't, we don't find, finally, that good is the winner. You know, that is why we, we read the history, we, we read, let's sit down, Shakespeare says, let's, for the sake of God, let's sit down and see the, uh, the story of, God, of these kings. What happened to them? The king, what should the king do? Is the king has to... Uh, the, to recline his 
or to decline his throne, his crown. I am ready. He says, I am ready to change all my jewels with some beads and all my subjects I can change with uh, a pair of good people. So a good person is the winner. So how is it that people are still there to do bad things? Because they, they have seen the, the story and they know the winner is the good. And the story of good man and bad man is telling the same thing. That uh, don't be deceived. So <clears throat> let me read the poem in Farsi a few lines and then I will give you the English Yusuf Gum The Joseph who has been lost will come back to his homeland. Grieve not. You see, the refrain of the poem is grieve not. This house of sorrows will turn into a garden, then grieve not. Now that if for a few days the spheres, the revolution of the spheres is not to our satisfaction, then don't worry because what is turning will come down finally. So it will come our turn, then grieve not. If for a few days it is not to our satisfaction, it will come back to our satisfaction again. Hin mashon no meat, don't lose your hope. Because if you lose your hope, it means that I know that nothing good will happen. When you, when you lose all hope, it, what it means? It means that I'm sure that there is nothing coming out of the curtain, from behind the curtain, no good news. While you don't know. You are not aware of the hidden secrets, of the hidden secrets. So why do you say that I know? You don't know, so be... Uh, don't lose your hope. Because God has its own way. All of a sudden, you see, uh, sometimes you are given a lock. You are in a prison. You say, well, what is this lock? Uh, I don't need a lock. I, know I need a key. And then they say, well, just look a little bit at this. It looks like a lock, but it is a key. It's a key, you can open the door of the prison by this. You look deeper and you will find it. This is the key. Then it says, if the flood is drowning everybody and all the worlds, so far as you can be in the uh, in the ship of Noah, so can you can take refuge in the ship of Noah, then grieve not. Because there is, we have that ship with us. We, you can re take refuge to the tavern, of a spiritual tavern of Rumi, a spiritual tavern of, of Hafiz, a spiritual tavern of Kalidasa. You can read Shakuntala and you will rejoice with happiness as Gote when he read the book. There was nothing so pleasing in his whole life. And he said that the greatest joy I ever had is reading this drama of Shakuntala. So there are treasures in the world. 
In fact, the treasures of Ali Baba and the 40 thieves, you remember the story that uh, he went to the uh, door of the, in, in the cave and it was a great, a huge, a huge stone. But he said, open sesame. And then it went aside and inside the cave was jewels and jewels and pearls and coins and gold and silver and everything. So we, we have this. This is the book, a good book. You just open it, open sesame, and then you open it. And then there are jewels and those <coughs> rubbers, they are not real rubbers. They are great scholars. They are the sages of the world. This is the interpretation of John Ruskin that the 40 thieves are 40 saints. They have <coughs> traveled around the world and got the best of jewels and they have come and put it in, in the, cover, in the uh, cave of book. So Hafez actually <coughs> has turned this harmony into harmony. Is it finished? Yes. Ah, okay. So um, uh, let me read just the last line. That's, uh, oh, Hafez, so far as you can be the companion of the Quran and the companion and in communion with your Lord, then grieve not. Uh, thank you very much. I'm sorry that to the philosophical and aesthetic uh, laws of harmony. As you can see, he's created harmony. Everything he had to say was harmony. You have philosophy, you have poetry, you have aesthetic. Everything is there. Nothing is missing. Uh, unfortunately, there's one thing that's very seriously missing, which is time. Um, <laughs> yes. And um, so, uh, I don't know, Stephen, do we have five minutes for questions, or do we have not five minutes? Five minutes, okay. Yes. Dr. Robichet, uh, you spoke in general. There was a lot of wisdom there. But you quoted a great deal from Persian poetry, and you're Persian. And I was hoping that you spend a short period of time talking about the Persian Dasgas, the Persian contribution to harmony. Yes. And there was no mention of Dasgas whatsoever. Now, many years ago, Dr. or Professor Said Hussein Nas gave a talk at the Nehru Center. And at the end, he asked the late Shusha Gabi to stand up and sing, and she stood up and sang. And when she finished, I went to her and said, Bebashit Khanum, excuse me, madam, what does God was this song? Much to my surprise and disappointment, she said, I'm sorry, I don't know. Yeah. And I would, I would have liked you to spend at least five or 10 minutes talking about the Dasga as a Persian contribution to the special definition of harmony, and it wasn't there. I've and heard him do this many times. He's, he's given wonderful performances of, about the Dasgas and showing how they relate to harmony. So that's a whole other lecture, but please. please. Yes, you see, uh, in fact, Persian literature 
I can't say that it is the best literature of the world, but in certain fields, particularly mysticism, intoxication, happiness, you can hardly find any poet in the world who is happier than Rumi and Sadi and uh, Attar. And happiness is the very end of harmony because all harmonies and beauty and good and everything will lead to happiness. If it doesn't lead to happiness, it is not harmony. So they are the happiest people and the only thing they are constantly trying to do is to make people happy by giving them wisdom, not by deceiving them. Giving them wisdom that if you are jealous, for example, Rumi says, if you are jealous, well, don't worry, you are little. You have to become more. You have to become more, then put this jealousy away and you become more. You see, he gives you the, a solution. He says, well, if any person comes and say, mm, what is the meaning of this world? It, this world has no meaning. Rumi says, well, this question you are making about the meaning of the world, you have some meaning. You, you have some purpose. So how is it not in the whole world is a purpose? So uh, they are constantly trying to make people happy by giving the news of immortality, by giving the news of friendship, by giving the news of human, all, all are the, the sons of Adam are like the limbs of each other. And if one limb is suffering, the other limbs cannot rest, uh, take a rest. So a person who is careless about the sorrows of others is not deserved to be called a man. And Sadi says, if you see, this is marvelous. In one line, he makes you happy. He says, well, if you are not riding a horse or riding an ass, means you are not rich, you are not uh, well off. If you are not riding, go and thanks God because you are not, uh, otherwise, <coughs> thanks God that you are not a donkey. You are a man. After all, you are a man. If you are not on the donkey, it's no, no problem. You are a man. So be proud with your being um, from the uh, generation of mankind and be a true man. There is a joke that a person happened to pass by Mullah and uh, Mullah said there is nothing right with him. He said, well, man, what is your name? He said, my name is Adam. Mullah said, well, go and thank God. At least your name is Adam. Otherwise, there is nothing in you to be, uh, have any similarity to man. Persian literature is the literature of uh, hope. The literature, hope is harmony. It's the literature of immortality. It's the literature of happiness, of friendship, of, uh, of toleration, which is more than toleration, respect. We not only tolerate the religion of others, but only respect. That's why I'm, I'm happy that you are, have a different religion. Because variety is a gift of God. If there is no variety, it is good that God has created different dialects, different languages, different people, uh, men, women, 
<coughs> at different levels of understanding, it's all good. So Persian literature has great contribution to world, um, I mean, to the promotion of harmony in the world. Yes? I just, uh, well, China is fantastic. Silence. 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 Silence and harmony. Silence. Silence. Yeah, silence. Well, of course, you know, actually Rumi says, oh my God, take me to a realm where I do not need any words. And in silence I could speak because what you can say is not very important. When you keep silent, there is the depth of your feeling. You cannot express yourself. So silence has its very important role in harmony, just as rest in music. Rest, if there is no rest in music, rest is as important as in notes. A little bit of more or less, it would destroy the symphony. So rest and silence are an integrated part of harmony. And uh, uh, light act and omission, sometimes you do in harmony, sometimes you omit. Uh, Kathleen Rain says, the sin of omission is like a woman withhold his love, her love, and I my poetry. See, uh, this is omission. If you, if you don't make love, that is the sin of omission. So this is silence, or we could say rest. Thank you very much. Yeah.